Good morning. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our service this morning. I know we have quite a few people out traveling about on the holiday weekend, but we're certainly glad that you're here. And if you are traveling and you're with us online, we welcome you as well. We're going to sing these first three, one after the other after the other, so I'm not going to have you stand for this first one. We'll stay stay seated, please. Let's let's praise our Father and our God. We praise thee, O God.
Uh, good morning. It's good to see everybody here today. Got a couple of uh, announcements, updates uh, to make. Uh, Buddy Smith, who is Connie Sublette's brother, passed away yesterday morning of a heart attack. Uh, I don't have any other details. Also, uh, Bo Stevens, John Stevens' father and preacher at Troop Church of Christ is in the hospital. He's not doing well at all, and they are requesting our prayers. Also wanted to update you on our poll that we took. Wanted to let you know that uh, we have it, that we've been discussing it. We are making plans for uh, what to do on Sunday night. Those are not solid plans yet, but I wanted to let you know that we are not going to start those activities until October 3rd. Uh, we thought that would be best to get past this latest wave of COVID. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I needed to, or I'm going to go off script here just for a second. Uh, I wanted to let you know, or I wanted to talk about, uh, tell you a story. I guess that's the best thing to say. I remember when I was in school, I don't remember what grade I was in. I don't remember where I was at, but I remember a gentleman that a lot of you know. His name was David Wick, or excuse me, James Wicks. He was a teacher at TJC, taught chemistry at TJC for I can't tell you how many years, but I remember at an early age him talking about science and the Bible. And that made a huge impression upon me as a, as a young person. Like I say, I, I don't even remember what age I was. But it, it combined what I was learning at church with what I was learning at school. And it made a lot of sense to me. In October we're going to have a seminar, Defending the Faith Seminar with Kyle Butts. Uh, I believe it's October 23rd and 24th. I would encourage all of us here to start. The church is putting together a marketing plan for that. We're working on it. But I would encourage each person here to have their own plan. Put it on Facebook. Get, it, get the word out there because I think this is something that is a very effective for young people, young families, and even older folks. But it, it makes a huge impression on young people to actually hear about the Bible and science coming from a biblical perspective, from somebody that is knowledgeable in science, and is also knowledgeable in the Bible. So I would encourage, I just wanted to encourage everyone to do that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, let's go to our Father in prayer. Holy God, today we want to proclaim your greatness. 
we want to recognize you as the creator of all that is or ever will be. We want to declare our faith to you, your Holy Spirit and your son Jesus. We believe that you love us and from the very beginning of time have had a plan for us. We thank you for your mercy, grace, and your forgiveness that you have so freely given to us. We confess our unrighteousness and sinfulness. We do things we should not do. We don't do things that we should do. We then turn and try to judge others for doing the same things we do. Forgive us, Father, and help us to grow and mature in our faith. Help us to be united in our mission to spread the message of Jesus. Help us not to think more highly of ourselves than we should, but to be humble servants, leaning on our faith in you and encouraging each other. Father, you have told us to ask for and that you will provide. And today we have many people on our prayer and care list. And we just ask that you would be with Connie Sublette and the loss of her brother. We pray that you'd be with the Denman family, that you would be with Gail and Tim Holt and the loss of Gail's father. Father, we pray that you'd continue to be with Knox, Monahan, and Lonnie Brown, Carter and Reese Pippen, Carolyn Womack, be with Jonathan Ramirez, Terry Shaw, continue to be with Lauren and Caitlin Deliveday, David Wicks, Greg Latham, be with Bo Stevens, Lucinda Emmons, Francis Lowe, John Wilkinson. Father, I just pray that you'd give all of these people what they need and also give them your peace and comfort and healing. Holy God, we thank you for your church and thank you for the blessing us with so many people that love you and want to serve you. We pray that you'd give us a spirit of unity and a bond of peace as we strive to grow here spiritually and numerically. We thank you for the opportunities you've given us to support mission work. Today we're mindful of EEM and the work they are doing. We pray that you bless their efforts and that it would be fruitful. Father, our purpose today is to praise and honor you with our singing, prayers, and scripture study. Help us to clear our thoughts of worldly distractions and to fill it with your spirit of peace and hope and love toward you and each other. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus tells the very familiar parable, the parable of the sword. And I want us to take just a little bit of time to talk about that this morning as we prepare to partake of the Lord's Supper. Jesus said a man went out to sow, and as he sowed his seed, the seed which was the word of God, the seed fell in different places, four different places. Some of it fell along the path, some of it the rocky soil, some of it among the thorns, and some of it on good ground. But I want us to talk just a little bit about the thorny places, because I think we can identify with that in our world today. Jesus, in Matthew 13, 22, tells the disciples and us exactly what he meant by that parable, and Concerning the thorny places, he said, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. In our world, we have a lot of thorns, don't we? We can talk about covid and that's probably one of the biggest things on everybody's mind. But think about other illnesses. When you get old, like some of us, we are concerned about other types of physical ailments. You think about cancer, heart problems. But those are not the only thorns in our lives. We think about floods, wildfires, earthquakes, hurricanes, tornadoes, other natural disasters, and then we have wars, criminal activities. We have the allure of wealth and power. We have the desire for pleasure, fame, all kinds of self-gratification. Lots of things to interfere and choke our interest and desire to serve God, to seek his kingdom, and to honor and glorify him. But you know, God in his wisdom has provided a number of things to help us to stay focused. And I think one of those things is the Lord's Supper. We partake of it regularly every week. And if we do it as a ritual, doesn't help very much, does it? But if we really think about who we are honoring and who we are glorifying as we partake, then I think it can do a great deal to help us recommit to God, to refocus on our spiritual things and our spiritual life. We're not doing this to honor a man. We're not doing it even to honor an idol, a man-made God. We're not doing it to honor uh, 
We're not doing it to honor a man, a prophet. Lost my place. Sorry, guys. Not just a prophet. Not a great teacher, as many believe, but we're doing it to honor Christ, the Son of God, the one who voluntarily gave up his role in heaven with God and came and lived as a man and suffered all of the indignities, all of the mistreatment at the hands even of his own people. The Son of God who created all that is in heaven and earth. This is who we're serving. The one who has gave his life on the cross. He said, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And he's gone to heaven to be with the right hand of God and where he intercedes for us. And where he awaits for the time when he will be able to return and receive his own. This is the God that we're honoring as we partake of the Lord's Supper. And I think if as we center our hearts on these things and we really focus that it can help us recharge our battery, can help us to keep the thorns of our lives from distracting us from our service to God. Will you pray with me? Father, we are so thankful for your love and your mercy and your kindness and your grace. We're so thankful that Jesus was willing to come to endure all that he endured and to die such a horrible death on the cross so that we might be forgiven of our sins. Father, we're so grateful for that great love and the great love that that caused you to have the plan for our salvation. And we're so grateful for your mercy. And we pray that as we partake of this loaf that Jesus said represents his body, that he gave on the cross, that we may partake and we may honor and glorify you as we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you pray with me again? Dear God, we thank you for the cleansing power that's in the blood of Jesus. We thank you that it cleanses us from our sins and makes us pure and white. That we can come into your presence and we can offer our prayers and our thanksgiving. And we know that you hear us and we know that you love us. And we're so thankful for all of this and all of the blessings that we have in Jesus. And we thank you again for the cleansing power of the blood of Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.
Those of us who were in the auditorium class this morning heard an excellent report from Lanny Tucker about Eastern European missions. I think it's a great understatement to say that it is hard to teach someone about Christ without access to a Bible. The Eastern European Missions Organization has been printing Bibles and distributing Bibles and Bible books for the last 60 years. West Irwin hasn't been part of that for 60 years, but we've been part of it for a very long time. Last year, due to the COVID, when our worship services and meetings had to be suspended, we had to make cuts in expenditures, and a lot of cuts had to be made, and that included Eastern European missions as well as some other mission work. Uh, but we're hoping, with the grace of God and with your generous contributions, that we will be able to resume support, not only of Eastern European missions, but of all of our mission efforts worldwide. And we are very pleased this morning to have Lanny Tucker with us to speak. Uh, he, Lanny has been working with EEM for, since 2013, primarily in the Dallas-Fort Worth and East Texas areas. He works in development in Oklahoma, Kansas, Nebraska, North and South Dakota, he has degrees from Harding University and Abilene Christian University. He has served as minister for two different congregations in Oregon. He has a lovely wife and three beautiful daughters. And we're privileged to have Lanny to speak with us today while Bill Allen is getting a break. Uh, without any further introduction at the proper time, Lanny will come and present our lesson this morning. We have much to be thankful for, and th at this time, please pray with me as we encourage people to be generous in con contributing to God. Father, we thank you for all of the great blessings that we have in this country and when we hear about refugees and the problems in other countries, it really makes us to realize how blessed we are. But Father, we know that as good as we have it here, we still have a lot of problems. We have a lot of things that interfere. And we look forward to the day that we will be with you in your kingdom in heaven. And we pray that we might be the source of, of life and salvation to others throughout the world through EEM and other mission efforts. And Father, we pray that you will give us generous hearts because you have chosen to work through man 
And you have given us resources, and we pray that we'll use those resources to honor and glorify you and to spread the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it's that time in the service where the children are dismissed to go to the blast program. And if you would stand with me, we'll stand and sing. They'll know we are Christians by our love before our lesson today. I hope you know this one. I've sang it since I was a kid, but uh, we haven't sang it here since I've been a member here the last four years. But I just felt it was appropriate with uh, the message coming from EEM this morning. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the
about this church, and yet it's a part of his family tree. So he's praying and, and praying that God will bless what I have to share this morning, and I'm grateful to be able to. If you want to open up your Bibles in, in, a, in a moment after I share a little bit and show a brief video about EEM, we're going to open up in, in Psalm 34 this morning. little heads up for that. And we're going to be talking about tasting and seeing how good the Lord is. So I'm going to give you about 30 seconds, not more, about 30 seconds, but just look around or find someone near you. If you're sitting by yourself, you may have to slide over to someone. Tell them one taste that you really like that comes to your mind right now. Okay, 30 seconds, go. Favorite taste. Okay, for me, it was black licorice. Yeah, I just made some enemies, I'm afraid, right there. You're, you're thinking even less of me now, but usually it just means if there's black licorice laying around, nobody wants it, so I get it all. I guess it's just a matter of survival. And I'm on a diet without sugar right now for the most part, so that, that, that craving comes up. Okay, well, we will come back to your favorite taste here in a little bit. Since 1961, as Danny was saying, we have been providing Bibles free of charge to people who want them in what now are the former communist bloc nations, plus a number of others where logistically we're able to effectively publish, print, and distribute Bibles. We have Bible-based books as well. My He's now just passed away a couple of years ago, but Dr. Carl Mitchell is a good example of an author who wrote a book about the Christian home. And at some point he gave us the rights free of any charges and his publisher let him do it. And so, you know, we have printed his, his book in a number of different languages. So it's, it's books like this that we also provide. And it's in places where you don't have Mardell's or Lifeway Christian or any other Christian, or much less a bunch of churches where you might be able to step in like you could in Tyler. I'm not sure how many other churches I passed just getting here this morning where you could probably stop in and say, do you, do you have an English Bible? I'd like to have one. And the answer would be sure, yes, glad to give you one. And so since 1961, 60 years now, we have been giving Bibles where previously it was not even legal to own a Bible. We now serve 30 different countries and I brushed off this next slide from five years ago. It's usually four years in between Olympics, but COVID has made it five this year, right? And Tokyo was an odd illusion of people in the stands, right? But there weren't really any. In all of that oddity, I still loved the opening ceremony with all the flags and some sense of unity in our world around anything. It's exciting to see, even if it's sports merely. But these flags here represent some of the 30 nations that we are serving with Bibles, which is even a more incomparably greater 
and precious unity. We partner with all kinds of boots on the ground people in Eastern and Central Europe. And our mission continues and always has been the Bible. We want everyone to get it. I had a gentleman come up to me, Tom Clark came up to me this morning. Do you have a Spanish Bible? We'd like to give it to a man that we know speaks Spanish. I said, we've never printed Bibles in Spanish. I gave him some places where he could probably find one. But if we weren't so busy in Eastern Europe with so many Bible requests, we might have launched into other continents. But God has us busy. In fact, 2020 was the best year on record from several different vantage points. Number one, we were able, because of our best fundraising year, even in the thick of COVID, we were able to give more Bibles and books than we ever have in our 60-year history. All in all, as you can see on the screen, 1.33 million Bibles and books last year. But the most staggering statistic of all, which represents the souls of people, I wish I could capture a a picture that would show this many people in one picture, but 1.7 million people asked us for a Bible or Bible-based book last year. I shared this in class as well, but and that's 370,000 people that we had to say, no, not yet. Not fun to say no to someone who's ready to learn about this Jesus that they've heard about but have never owned a Bible to read about. So it truly is an amazing harvest time in Eastern, Central Europe, Mediterranean countries there. Predominantly, these countries are having huge numbers of people hungry for the God that they know that many of their ancestors before communism, or maybe even through communism, held to the faith of. But atheism was a successful end result in a lot of cases because of what communism did in all of its propaganda. So here is something that we are doing right now. Take a look at this video and see the difference between 1961 and what is going on right now. For 60 years, EEM has published, printed, and distributed Bibles and Bible-based materials into 30-plus nations and in 20-plus different languages. As a result of seven couples, they were in their 20s, no children yet, young marrieds, and they make the decision to pursue souls for Jesus, to travel to a foreign land where they've never been in a foreign language that they didn't know, only to find out that nobody behind the Iron Curtain, as it was called at the time, had Bibles in their language. The power to change the world is right here. So Gwen Hensley, who really started EEM, came back and said, we have to change what we're doing. We have to provide God's Word in people's languages. And people joined forces. There was amazing partnership. People paying to get the printing press up and going. It was amazing. And we stand on their shoulders. So here we are. It's our diamond anniversary. When you think about a diamond, first off, who creates a diamond? Not man, God does. And what creates a diamond? 
time, pressure, stress, a lot of challenges. And that's what EEM has seen. Who would have thought that 60 years later, what started as a smuggling operation where they were thrilled to get 100 Bibles across a border, we're now driving tractor truckloads. We're printing in those very countries that forbid the Bible from being distributed. We're actually putting their people to work and they're printing the Bible. We're putting Bibles in public schools in the nation of Ukraine. Donated Bibles to more than 10,000 schools. And they're teaching the Bible as curriculum. It's happening in Hungary. It's now happening in Croatia, Romania, Bulgaria. It's spreading like wildfire. And last year, distributed 1.33 million Bibles in one year. Do you feel what God is doing? There are risks for people there. They're risking careers to get Bibles into public schools risking providing a Bible to a neighbor in a Muslim country, realizing that they're a Muslim family. In Matthew 28, Jesus' call to us is to make disciples. The question for us is, are we doing it today? See, we believe that providing someone God's word is the first step in making disciples. Frequently people will ask me about EEM, and I'll tell them, we're in the parable of the sower business. We just need help buying seed. So the deal is, we're limited by funds. There are more requests right now than we have funds to provide. So that's where you come in. Maybe you're already a financial ministry partner with EEM. Or maybe you're just considering that right now. I'm asking you to join us. Like our tagline says, the Bible. We want everyone to get it. But we need you. You are a part of this diamond anniversary story that is being played out right now as we kick off this year's 2021 Million Dollar Sunday campaign. So thank you in advance for what you are going to do as a congregation and what some of you are already doing on a monthly basis or sometimes just giving every once in a while towards providing Bibles. It's amazing when I look at the history of what your church, as one church, has done. You all have given the equivalent of over 100,000 Bibles at our cost of about $5 each to, to publish, print, and distribute. One book is about $5. So you've given over $550,000. That's a lot of the seeds of the gospel being planted as Danny was talking about the parable of the soils. And we pray that they will be falling on as much fertile ground as possible. And we see the evidence of that so often as our partners tell us how Bibles are changing the lives of people. So for over 25 years, West Irwin has been giving. And I just want to say thank you for what you've already done. And thank you for what you are wanting to do and will do here even this fall. So this year's 2021 Million Dollar Sunday campaign really kicked off September 1st, just a few days ago. And our aim and our prayer through this, our largest Bible project ever, is to give 640,000 people a Bible, and it falls into at least 24 different countries. I have brochures out in the foyer for you to read, and it would be a great prayer guide just to have that brochure to pray 
for all of the different languages that we're providing Bibles in, all of the different countries, that just between now and December 31st, people will be receiving these, over 600,000 people. How else can you give? How else can you give towards EEM? Yes, giving financially. Yes, praying, most importantly. But I hope you'll also share. Maybe there's a neighbor of yours that would be excited to help provide Bibles. Maybe you have a church in town or out of state or wherever it may be that you could introduce me to. We're going to need new partners to catch up with all of the record demand that currently, as you've heard me and now my boss, Dirk Smith, say in this video, we don't have enough funds to say yes to everyone that is asking us for Bibles. Good problem, but one that we want to remedy. So this morning, we're looking at Psalm chapter 34, and we'll especially land in verse 8. But on the screen here with me, you may want to read it with me in this version. You're welcome to read it in your own, though you may be a bit distracted if you have a different version going. But there's nothing like putting God's own words on our lips, even together at the same time. I don't know if Bill's ever attempted this, but here we go. I'm going to invite you to just read these first eight verses of Psalm 34 with me. Don't echo me, read it with me. We'll start in verse one. I will praise the Lord at all times. Read with me. I will constantly speak his praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation, I prayed and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles. For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. King David is believed to have written this particular psalm and many others in the book of Psalms. And you can hear just in these eight verses, much less if you were to read the rest of this psalm or the many others that he has, he has penned, you would hear how full his life is with challenges with pitfalls, with temptations, with dangers, spiritually and physically. And David is a great example for us in the sense of being truly human. He was not Jesus without sin. He was a great leader who also had great weaknesses and moments of sin in his life. David was an adulterer, made it far worse by trying to somehow cover it up with murder. He failed greatly in his life in contrast to the great victories he had in serving the Lord. Satan pulled him down several times into horrible, sinful situations. But David, in various psalms, testifies to how God rescued him every time that he actually sought after the Lord. Here we are some maybe 3,000 years after David's life, 
and yet we face the exact same deadly foe. Satan, his demons, working nonstop. Bible describes the devil as a ferocious lion looking to devour and destroy us. Ephesians 6 talks about Satan hurling flaming arrows at us. Sometimes Satan's attacks are subtle. Other times they are blatant and obvious. An example of the blatant would be one that I found recently. There's actually an online dating service in Canada. Stay with me. An online dating service in Canada, and it is solely aimed at married people. Tagline, life is short, have an affair. It's laughable. It's appalling. But Satan is obvious in his attack, in this case, on married people, on marriages. Satan's attacks are real. And whether subtle or obvious, as we endure those attacks, God is always with us. His power is infinitely, incomparably greater than anything that Satan can attack us with. We know as we stand on this side of the cross and the empty tomb that God has already won the victory for us, amen? Satan knows this just as well as we do, and he knows that his days are, are numbered. His ultimate defeat is inevitable. God has already secured the victory over sin and death for us. We just have to walk in it. When I was at Abilene Christian, I took a seminary level course on the book of Revelation. Woo. I've gotten confused enough just in Bible classes growing up trying to study Revelation. Do you imagine seminary level professor? I was kind of shaking in my boots. Our, our professor brought in a, a fellow colleague of him of his who had written an entire book, a commentary on the book of Revelation said he really should be teaching this course. So I thought we should have him as a guest lecturer for the first day. Well, he steps up to the, the podium that day in the classroom and in literally like 45 seconds later, he was gone. This is what he said to us that first day of Revelation class. God wins, and we're on his side. Enjoy your course. And do you know, we got into that course, and we got down in the trenches, and we tried to make sense of, you know, six-headed beasts and colors of horses and blood and praising and wings and eyes, all of that stuff. But at times our professor had to pull us back and say, can, can anyone remind me what you heard in the first minute of this course in this class? And we'd all kind of take a deep breath and yes, God wins. We're on his side. 
and it would recenter us into what really mattered as we debated and wondered and got lost at times in trying to understand this challenging book. Well, of the many themes that we could look at just in these first eight verses of Psalm 34, as I said, today we're going to look at taste and see that the Lord is good. As we've already said, 2021 is EEM's 60th anniversary. EEM began, as you saw in the video, with 14 young people, seven married couples in their 20s that moved over to that part of the, of the world. They faced great dangers, risked their lives to give others Bibles where it was illegal to even own one. Praise God, that was 60 years ago and times have changed. Today, as I've said, we, we distribute Bibles in 30 different nations. By the end of this year, it will be up to 27 different languages, free to all, thanks to partners like you. Over a million Bibles and books are distributed now each year for several years running through our ministry partners in Eastern and Central Europe. Missionaries, national evangelists, preacher training schools, church planting seminars, public schools, addiction recovery centers, orphanages, hospitals, prisons, you name it, all sorts of opportunities where people are asking our partners for God's word. The Bible, we want everyone to get it, couldn't be more true as we have more requests than ever before. And in essence, even from the Old Testament, unlike the New Testament where we have the Great Commission, but God has always been saying the same thing. Taste and see that I am truly good. This is synonymous with our mission. We, we are doing our best. You are doing it with us. Please don't tell me, hey, Lanny, you're doing so. We're doing this together. We'd have a lot of great ideas, but no paper and ink and staff to carry out the distribution of God's word if we didn't have partners like you praying, giving, sharing this with others. We are inviting with you everyone that we possibly can to taste and see that the Lord is good. In March of 2020, a little over a year ago, when things were first starting to shut down in the whole world. It was true in Croatia as well. But we didn't have all the shutdowns really happening yet. And in Croatia, we had literally hired trucks, hired drivers, and we had 70,000 Bibles heading into the Croatian public school system. It was just part of the 200,000 that all total last year made it into the public schools. And that was even less than half of how many they were asking, but all that we could scrounge up the money to be able to provide. So 70,000, the initial portion of this. But when the pandemic hit, literally the day that those trucks were rolling out to deliver at various schools, everything was put on hold when one of their public school teachers called our representative and said, I'm not sure exactly when you're delivering those, but we're going to need to postpone it. Can we, can we put that off because we've just shut down our schools today? Well, we called Yura, our number one contact and boots on the ground ministry partner in Croatia. 
Ural Lazar. And he said, no problem, I'll make a few phone calls, we'll, we'll figure this out. And so you'll see in this video as it begins rolling and don't strain to understand what they're saying because it's all Croatian. But I'll just narrate over the top of it as hopefully it gets going here. Yura actually had his iPhone and took this video. This was just one of the, I don't know how many places that Yura found volunteers to temporarily store 70,000 Bibles on our behalf. We found a spot in our warehouses, which are limited, for 10,000, but we still had 60,000 more. Yura called all of his friends, and the same day, I mean, they all woke up that day not knowing they would be helping store 60,000 Bibles, but, you know, plastic tables duct taped together and made into ramps, and all of these people, if you've ever wanted to see what 60,000 Bibles looks like on pallets, this is really only a portion of them. This was one truckload. They got to the end of this day and all of the 60,000 had been taken care of one way or the other through Yura's network, praise the Lord. And Yura gathered them all and said, I just want to say thank you for helping us. Completely short notice, completely unexpected. They interrupted him. They said, no, thank you. You're the one introducing our children to Jesus. And these are wonderful, hardbound, color-illustrated children's Bibles. This is going to change the face of our nation. These are our future leaders. Thank you, Yura. So praise God that Christians in Croatia are helping children to taste and see that the Lord is truly good. In 2015, Greece began to experience an immigration crisis. Within about two, two and a half years, they estimated that even then, over 25 million refugees had left countries in the Middle East. And over half of those 25 million, more than 12 million, had come into Greece well, the population of Greece, I think, is somewhere around 15 million. Can you imagine adding more than 12 million just in refugees with all of the needs that they have and only the clothes on their back? There was a Christian news reporter that interviewed a bunch of different Christian groups because all of these Christians are the ones down on the shores, even at night, helping these predominantly Muslim people as they arrive in Greece, helping them with food, clothing, offering them Bibles, Bible studies. This Christian news reporter interviewed a lot of these leaders and said, how have you responded to this crisis? And the answer that was kind of a common thread and the wording that stood out the most to me is this one. We don't know what the political solution is, but we know what Jesus would do. He would feed and clothe and share the gospel with these people. These people are predominantly Muslims from Iran, Iraq, Syria, Afghanistan. And the Christians of Greece, praise the Lord, know that the invitation to taste and see that the Lord is good is not for some of the world 
or just us and those who may look like or be like or live near where we know they knew it's for all people Muslims too and so they greeted them on the shores they fed them they clothed them they offered the good news to them because Greek Christians have been inviting these refugees to taste and see that the Lord is good. Over 250,000 Farsi and Arabic Bibles have now reached interested people. They say that well over 400, they estimate somewhere between four and 500 are now committed Christians in a house church network in Greece that is literally like wildfire growing as they share their faith with other Muslims who didn't really know that, oh, Jesus is better than some prophet or great teacher. He's the savior of the world. He died for you. He died for all of us. And so hundreds of others have become baptized believers and moved on as they had been planning, but as Christians unplanned to other parts of Europe where they're now sharing with other Muslim refugee groups when they land in Germany, when they land in Slovenia, in Latvia, or wherever it is that they go. So we praise God that the urgency of tasting and seeing that the Lord is good is reaching those who, if you're like me, you might have never expected would be responding to it and saying, I love Jesus. I didn't know this Jesus. I want to serve this Jesus. In Mark 16, verse 15, Jesus' very last words to, at that point, the 11 remaining apostles include these words. Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. I couldn't think of a better picture to to visually run alongside that verse than this one right here. Second Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and following. Peter says, The Lord does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Sometimes I forget that passage. And these and, and many other passages, especially in the New Testament, give us an obvious sense of the urgency that we should have to share the good news. Even in our culture that seems to have kind of gone asleep, even in our church cultures at times, and certainly in the not-so-receptive general population of America. But it doesn't change the urgency that God wants us and expects us to share the good news with others in. One of my favorite Christian authors, Nikki Gumbel, says, The gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. If it's too late, I guess it becomes bad news. Is that what Nikki is saying? This taste and see invitation is urgent and it's taken us two years far longer than usual to do the layout and publishing work for our Farsi Bible for kids which you can see here a couple examples of on the screen 
We expected them to be ready in about six months. It took two years, long story. I think Satan was just trying to keep it from getting out. But we praise God and are thrilled that now the good news is getting to these children in time. Richard Wormbrand was a preacher in what was called at the time the underground church in Romania when it was under communist rule, middle of the 1900s. Sounds like a long time ago now. Richard was found out by the communist leaders and was arrested, imprisoned, and tortured in two separate imprisonments for a total of 14 years. He wrote a book entitled Tortured for Christ. If you've not read it, I can wholeheartedly recommend it. It is inspirational and difficult to read. But in that book, alongside all of the horrible tales of how he was tortured and how his faith at times waned and and rose, he shares several quotes that I pass on to you about what it meant to receive Bibles Sometimes when he was in prison, other times when he was not. He says, during the years of communist brainwashing, we had heard, nobody loves you anymore. Nobody loves you anymore. Nobody loves you anymore. But now, he says, we saw American Christians who risked their lives to show us that they loved us. He says, the value of the Bible smuggled in cannot be understood by an American Christian who swims in Bibles. And he finishes saying, my family and I, we would not have survived without the help we got from praying Christians abroad. For us, their men were like angels sent by God. word is precious. Let us not forget it. Let me not forget, Lord, how precious, how good you are, how good it is to taste and see that you are good. Much further back in history, A.D. 250, there was an Italian man named Lawrence. He was the deacon in charge of finances in the church at that time. <clears throat> In Rome. And it was said by Christian historians that a great, and even non Christian historians, a great revival of Christianity was occurring, and all of Rome were becoming Christians, one historian says. And so, as a result, in Rome, the Emperor Valerian at that time started persecuting Christians. Christians quietly, those who owned property and had wealth, began to distribute all of the church's money and treasures to poor people in their community. Well, Valerian the emperor ordered at that time that all bishops, priests, deacons were to be arrested and executed. But he knew that Lawrence was in charge of all the money, so he went to Lawrence and said, I'm going to give you a way out if you'll just... Give me all of the wealth of the church. Well, Lawrence asked for three days to gather it all into one place. He then covertly brought together the blind, the poor, 
the disabled, the sick, the elderly, the widows, and the orphans. And when Emperor Valerian showed up at the church building, Deacon Lawrence flung open the doors and said, these are the treasures of the church. How do you think that went over? It is said that Valerian was so angry that he decided beheading was not nearly terrifying enough for Lawrence. He ordered that this courageous man be roasted to death on a gridiron. That's how Lawrence died, August 10, 258. I've put it on my phone calendar so they don't pop up two days after my birthday every day. Cause me to remember that it is good to taste and see that the Lord is good. It is good to share that the Lord is good. Lawrence's courage made such an impression on the people of Rome and beyond that it is said that this revival of Christianity even increased. Many senators who witnessed his execution are said to have become Christians after his death. Praise God for people like Deacon Lawrence. Well, jumping right up to last year in Christian history, in 2020, we had the opportunity at EEM to begin providing Bibles to a new ministry in Czech Republic that heard about us. It's a homeless ministry with Bible study groups. They meet for breakfast, for lunch. They serve all kinds of vulnerable people, mostly men, but some women as well addictions, diseases, plenty of other problems. Merrick Hust, the minister there, wrote us a letter, and in that letter, part of it said, I really want to thank you for your gift. It is wonderful that we can share God's word with those who are poor, sick, suffering, or lonely. Thanks to you, we can bring hope to them in our Lord Jesus Christ. Merrick says, Bible study groups are growing. We call ourselves the Hooligans Church. It's our dream and vision that people on the streets would have a church that they truly feel they can belong to. My favorite part of his letter, he mentions that they they work close to a prison detention center. And he says, A former criminal who used to hate me and had nothing but curse words for me has now written to me to send his greetings and has asked me to pray for him. Now we meet twice a week to read and pray. Read the Bible. He says, I wanted you to know how your Bibles have helped us. Take these two stories, Deacon Lawrence, AD 250, and last year, Merrick Hust. I think if Deacon Lawrence could could say something to Merrick, he would say, you've found the treasures of the church, haven't you? In their brotherhood, they would find something in common around which they would probably weep together because at the middle of that is Jesus, just like the cross up here in your stained glass reminds us, just like God's word tells us in so many beautiful and yet challenging ways. 
sharing the good news, inviting people to taste and see that the Lord is good. This is our job and our joy as Christians. We plant the seed of the gospel. Maybe others water the seed of the gospel. But God makes it grow. Paul says, I planted the seeds in your hearts. Apollos watered it, but it was God who makes it grow. It's not important who does the planting, Paul says, or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. It's a good reminder that it's about God and not us, and yet he invites us to get in on this, expects us to join in in this responsibility and opportunity to share with the world that this is really the one truly good thing. It is God. Don't you want to taste it? Can I help you in some way see it? And God's invitation to us today to taste and see that the Lord is good is the same one that these missionaries that started EEM 60 years ago were given by the Lord as well. And did you notice the the last half of verse 8 in Psalm 34? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Each of us this morning is invited to taste and see that the Lord is good, but we're not supposed to just be lakes that hold our own water. We're to be a river that shares this and moves and goes out. We are disciples after all and disciples are known by their fruit so we make disciples perhaps you need a fresh filling of that passion that the the Holy Spirit wants to give us to share with others to taste and see that the Lord is good perhaps you need a fresh taste better than black licorice perhaps you need a fresh view and gaze at at the goodness of God so that from out of you, you can then go and share that with others. We all need that from time to time. We all need it every day. So we're about to sing an invitation song. I thank you for the opportunity to come and share some of the good news of what God is doing. But I would be remiss if I didn't challenge you as God has challenged me as I've put these words together that we need to taste and see that the Lord is good for ourselves in some new ways so that we can be refueled and ready today at lunch, tonight with a neighbor, on the phone with uncle whoever. When God gives us that opportunity, all of these people that he is giving you and me the privilege of knowing not for the purpose of our own pleasure, but for the sake of his glory to increase, you've got some people that you can invite to taste and see that the Lord is good. If you want the prayers of this church, that's going to be a powerful thing. You're welcome to come in a moment when we stand and sing. If you want to give your life to Jesus and understand firsthand what it is to be a disciple. I know the leaders of this church will study with you if you're ready to be baptized and have all of your sins washed away. Have, have your self filled with this Holy Spirit that is so truly good. Please come as we together stand and sing.
Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. 